podcast where we inform, encourage, and support Christian indie writers on the journey to publication. I'm Jamie Hirschberger. I write short fiction under the pen name J.R. Nichols. I'm Christina Catane, and I write in multiple genres, including Christian dystopian fiction. I'm Rhonda Hagerman, and I write both fiction and nonfiction. And I'm Jennifer Carl Tong, and I write historical Christian romance. Hi, ladies. Hey, Jennifer. Hi. Hi. Well, we start every episode of the podcast with a segment called What's Up? And this is a time where we check in with one another, find out how we're doing with our writing, if anything's going on with us personally. You guys, we've started talking about we should do totally a precast because we get on here and we start jabbering and yammering and we're like, oh, we need to save some of it for the What's Up? So I'm going to ask you now, Tina, what's up? Well, I was thinking about um, the fact that this podcast is being filmed in September, but it's not going to air till December. And by that time, I am going to qualify to join the Senior Center. What? <laughs> no way, really? Yeah. I was go- The library and the Senior Center are in the same building. And we go to the library a lot because we homeschool. And I was going in the door, and it had a sign, and it said, are you 50 or older? Come to the Senior Center, and there's all these activities. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, but look what I got to look forward to. In a few months, I'll be able to use both sides of the building. <laughs> all right. <laughs> that's great. What's well, up with you, uh, Jen? Well, I've been doing lots of book cover. Um, I've been getting into the spirit. Though Tina, <laughs> though Tina just ruined it, I was trying to give the illusion that we're actually in December. Yes, yesterday at our planning, um, I made a comment like, "Ooh, I should put a tree up," and got such an eye roll from Rhonda that I, I went ahead and did it. <laughs> it's beginning to look a lot like this. I love your tree. Yeah. Well, it'll it'll be going away. Uh, as soon as we're done with this Was podcast. it already decorated like that, or did you have to decorate it? There's only six ornaments. I only decorated the part. <laughs> <laughs> Again, thanks for ruining the illusion, but I only decorate the part you can see. <laughs> Over here, nothing. Oh, Back here, nothing. All the lights and all, the, there's literally one, two, three, four, five, six ornaments on there. So Wow. That's great. And one flower. So, um... Rhonda, I see that you've decided to have a festive background also. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I wore my matching festive shirt. (laughs) We did not talk to each other about both wearing a gray t-shirt. So I just happened to have this on. What's up with you, Rhonda? Well, first I'd like to make a comment to Tina. Um, My, our senior center in our area right here, you have to be 55 to join. That's what and I have been trying to get my husband to join just so I can go. There's so much cool stuff that happens at our local senior center. I just want to be part of it, but I'm not ready to be 55 yet. So, okay. So um, I have been, first of all, meeting my goals, but we'll talk about that later. And this weekend I had the best weekend because at my historical society, um, our the high school that is part of that, they have a reunion for everybody who graduated before 1973. Oh. So there were like 250 people there. Wow. And they all were so interested in our little historical table booth and the books that we were selling. And everybody wanted to tell us all these stories. So I was able to get a list of like 20 people um, that I needed to be in contact with because they want to give me their oral, oral histories. Nice. 
And so I am just over the moon still about everything that went on on Sunday. And um, so that's the big thing that's happened since last week for me. That's awesome. That's really great. What about you, Jamie? Um, Well, I am officially closing on my Michigan house this week, which is a great piece of news. Yes. Thank you for our family financially because we're trying to buy here in Florida where it is still sunny and hot. My father-in-law said that today is the first day of fall, but I do not believe him because I do not see any orange or yellow leaves outside. I don't believe him either. Yeah, so it is a it is an adjustment, a change in well, from a Florida a winter a Michigan fall to a Florida fall. It is an adjustment. Michigan did break a heat record yesterday. Wow, did we really? Wow, we um, it's the highest since nineteen I don't know thirty something. Wow, it was yeah, the, well, the record high, and they broke it yesterday. It was really hot. So I mean, hmm. I guess it's uh. It's not looking like Christmas yet, but we are all kind of looking forward to the holidays. And this episode will air in the very beginnings of the holiday season. And some of you might be stumped for what to give the person that has everything. And we are here to save the day because (laughs) this week's episode is, let me see the official title. It is writing, give, give the gift of writing. So we're going to talk about all the ways that you can use writing to enhance or to actually be a Christmas present. So what are occasions that are appropriate for giving writing as a gift? I've never done it before. Have any of you ladies ever given writing as a gift? I never have, but I think it's a great idea. Not for a special occasion. So what do you mean, Tina? Did you give writing well, as a gift? Well, I did. My A friend of mine, um, her she wanted to nominate her father for <clears throat> an award that her church gives out. I forget what it was called, but somebody who um, exemplifies Christian living and who um, give and serving. Um, Christian Service Award or something like that. And she had an idea what she wanted to say, but she's not a good writer. And so I wrote it for her, um, for her to submit. Oh, that's lovely. And her father won. So nice. Wow. So I don't know that it, it, I'm sure it was more to do with his merits than my writing but yes because usually it's not an essay competition really but you just helped her to so that's really a nice thing to do for someone what if somebody else would like to write something for their special somebody and you have the ability to help them out so it is sort of giving them a gift helping to give someone else a gift but i think it's it's also something you could do for birthdays you could do it for your anniversary we'll talk about Mm -hmm. that with some of our ideas a little bit later in ways that you can do it um but i think that you could for sure uh, do it for lots of other holidays, but Christmas is what we're talking about. So that's the big one, right? So, mm-hmm. well, yes. And, um, I did write a, a toast or a story or whatever that oh. I gave at my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. And my mother collected up, um, a, a lot of people had written something and she collected all of them up and she's very happy to have those Uh, sentiments to keep. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I think that when we journal or scrapbook for our children and we put little notes in there, that's something that's often overlooked, that that's really a gift for them to look back on when they have uh, uh, grown. 
That's a great point. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think about that because I do scrapbook for my children and um, I will sometimes go on retreats with friends and, and I'm always encouraging other people that to, to not just do the pictures, but have some writing on there. I also encourage them to put their own handwriting on the page somehow. I know nobody likes their own handwriting and people always want to type up, type it up and print it, which I do that as well. But I always try to like, I can just write the date with my handwriting or something because someday when you're gone, that's going to mean so much more. The recipe cards I have from both my grandmothers that are handwritten are so precious to me, so much more than just the recipe that I that I would copy down with my own handwriting from them. So keep that in mind too. That when you that we haven't talked about this, but if you do a writing gift for somebody, try to incorporate your handwriting in it, even if it's just your signature at the bottom, because that will mean so much more years down the road. My um my uncle just turned. Well, he didn't. We had an 80th birthday party for my uncle. He's not quite 80 yet, but we had it early. Mm -hmm. And so all of us family, like our extended family, cousins, the cousins' children, everybody, wrote down memories that they had that they cherished um, with him. And we put them in a jar. Um, So we we made sure we had 80 of them because it was an 80th birthday. And we put them in this jar um, so that he can take them out and read them. That's lovely. That is lovely. It's a great Mm -hmm. idea. Okay. So here's the thing. Before we talk about all these great ideas that we can do as writers, um, someone who I don't remember who was the one to bring, what should you not do if you're going to give the gift of writing this holiday season? Who wants to be the one to say it? That was me that brought that up. Do not. (laughs) Do not, do not do not take not. a bunch of your copies of your latest novel and stick oh. a bow on them and hand them out at Christmas. <laughs> First of all, it's tacky. You know, like that's, it's just like, here, here's my novel. <laughs> I so thought about you that I just gave you something I had sitting in a box. Cause you know, Can I we just give him a coupon code for our book. Right. That's, <laughs> that's even worse. That doesn't even have a bow on oh, it. Oh goodness. But like, First of all, it's just tacky. Second of all, it's not personal. If you're going to give a gift, it should be something personal for that person, which is what we're going to talk about with how to gift writing. Um, but And finally, if you give your book away, no one's going to buy it. So you need people to be buying your book, even family members. So don't give it away. Don't do that at Christmas time or any other holiday. Um, <laughs> when my book's published, I give a copy to those that are special to me, but it's not like you know for their birthday or for... Uh, for Christmas. So don't do that. But there are lots of All ways right. to gift writing. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Yes. Yeah. So how do you gift writing? Christmas is just around the corner when this podcast episode airs. And we were thoughtful off to schedule it to air, giving you plenty of time to brainstorm and to polish at least one special gift for someone in your life. So what is a good idea for a Christmas gift to whom? And what was that? What would that look like? Who's going to go first? Well, I thought about, you know how you people write those letters that you get with the Christmas cards and they have told you everything that they did, their families. Oh, like the annual. Year. Yeah, the annual. This is what happened in our family. I thought it would be fun to write a fictional story. <clears throat> and, you know, like a satire kind of thing. Of, of what happened in our family in the last year and, and write that up. And um, mm-hmm. I just thought that would be fun. And I might even do that. 
Mm-hmm. Now, would you send that in place of your annual Christmas letter? Or would that just be for your family in your house to like kind of laugh at? Or like, how did you envision gifting that? Yeah, I envisioned sending it out with, instead <laughs> of Christmas cards. Like, Merry Christmas. Here's what happened in our family this year. And just kind of. Well, you know, it depends on over the top put, kind of craziness, but yes, it depends on what you put in there, but you might have a George Orwell situation on your hands. So everybody's, the phone is ringing off the hook. What do you mean? You know, said he was abducted <laughs> yeah. by an alien or whatever. So, um, I how have you... to put a disclaimer on there. It's mm-hmm. like, I have to do sometimes on my Facebook posts. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Warning label. <laughs> I, my, I took a picture off my, my daughter just moved to our church campground and they have this beautiful house on the lake and um, their back porch overlooks the lake. And it was, it's just really beautiful. And so I took a picture and I'm kind of sarcastic. So I put the, I said on there, I guess this view is okay. And somebody asked me like, do you really not think that view is okay? Like, cause you're from Alaska. Like they thought I was serious. Oh, oh my word. I had to go back and put sarcasm alert. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. So well, I think that's a great idea, and I think I'll do it too. You're gonna do it too. Yeah, so I'm actually um, starting a list of ideas over here. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Do you have one we haven't talked about yet? What would be? Um, a good yeah, idea? actually, um, she made me think of an idea. Okay, a kid of the '80s, Mad Libs, loved them. Oh. I still love them to this day. If I can find a book at an estate sale or something. Um, but anyway, I think what I will do is at Thanksgiving this year create my own Mad Lib page. And, or just walk around and interview people and ask them uh, questions that are completely out of context. They have no, you know, background for them. And then write a story based on that for each individual person I do that for. And I think some certain people will really appreciate that in my family. So kind of approached, like, maybe not necessarily, you could do it like Mad Libs, like you could pre-write the story and then get the Uh words from people. Or you could do it, are you saying, like, how we do writing prompts a lot of times where we will have, like, eight words and then you just write the story and have to include all those words? That would be Sort of like that, but probably more sentences than words. Because I want them to remember, oh, that's why she was asking me these questions. Yeah, that is great. I love that. Well, the cat's out of the bag now. I know. They'll be looking (laughs) forward to Christmas. See what you did. Wait a minute. What did she ask me at Thanksgiving? Because it'll be after Thanksgiving, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, that would be really cool because I'm imagining you say something like, so what do you think of self-checkouts or something? And then they, they tell you their big opinion and then you go home and you create like, oh, this could be me. You know, this, this right. yeah, that's really, really cool. I love that idea. Um, well, what else? We've got a few things that we jotted down in our planning. What's another great Christmas gift idea since we're coming up to the season? Well, you know, I've been married for 20 years. And, and so after a while, the love letters kind of dry up. Um, you know, after the wedding happens, <laughs> anyway, yeah. I thought it would be kind of fun to write your love story Aww. and give it to your spouse, or, you know, you could even do something a little more risque, you know, depending on <laughs> Not for who you are. <laughs> yeah. You might want to handwrite that one, yeah. <laughs> not take a chance of it going into the accidental Google universe right. or something. Yeah. Um, she just talked to memory. My husband and I have been married for 17 years and that's probably about three years in for Valentine's day, but I could totally do this for, um, Christmas this year. I 
I'm not a poet. That is not my love. And for some reason, one day I was inspired to write all these poems about the two of us. And so I just made a little compilation. Um, I think there were like seven of them. I gave them to him for Valentine's Day because we don't celebrate Valentine's Day. We will have a dinner or something. But so he wasn't expecting a gift. And he really appreciated that. That's lovely. That's lovely. That's awesome. Well, and I think that, you know, that's a really good one that you can kind of do starting. Like, so you didn't prepare this. So starting going forward, just if you have a nice thought about your spouse, maybe you can jot them down and just kind mm-hmm. of talk them aside for future. So just you're at work and you're standing at the copy, you're thinking about this wonderful time. Just write down, I thought about our trip to the whatever, mm-hmm. and then just kind of put it into a envelope or a special place where you can compile it later. That's very sweet, Rhonda. I love that. Um, Before the podcast started, we were joking about my Christmas tree. I don't know why, but <laughs> they were teasing me about my Christmas tree. But we started regaling stories of, of Christmas trees that people like didn't take down for months or they had to saw them apart because they'd gotten so hard. They left them in their house for so long. And, <laughs> and so Rhonda said, you should totally write a compilation of Christmas tree stories, which would be very mm-hmm. fun. But that makes me think that wouldn't it be fun to write a compilation of Christmas stories for the family? Like, say, for my mom, I could have um, my brother tell me a story that he remembers about a Christmas. And then my I could talk mm-hmm. to each of the grandkids and, and then compile it. Now, this could totally be done in time for Christmas if you have each of those people write it themselves. And then you just put it all together in a very pretty package, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you want to think ahead to next year you could spend the time really writing them as a bunch of a group of short stories and as inexpensive as it is nowadays to self-publish you could truly publish the book at least enough to give the gift as an actual book with a cover and everything for the loved one you're giving it to so that would be such a great present for anyone you know a grandmother a parent um or a child you could talk about um you know, their, their story of, of their childhood and the things you remember about their childhood and then have it really made into a book that they can have and hold that was published Mm -hmm. for them. That would be a great idea. I think. I love that idea also because it may be the first time that you interact with a publishing interface and it can help you to learn the ropes of, um, you know, designing a cover, making sure it fits in the, you know, all of that gobbledygook that goes along with actually doing a published work you can practice on something that is important to you, um, but isn't meant for wider, um, right. wider consumption. So I think that's a really excellent idea. And if the cover is um, not per- perfect, your mother is not going to care because she's going to think it's the greatest <laughs> cover she's ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And she'll probably buy a whole bunch to hand out. Aw, let your mom hand your book out as Christmas. <laughs> right? Uh, right. Right. That's okay. That's acceptable. <laughs> I hope my mother's um, listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hundreds of friends. And, okay. So, but what about just making up a story and making sure that if you're giving this to your friend Beatrice, the first name of the person, Beatrice. Now you have to be careful, especially if you send Beatrice on some adventures that the real life Beatrice would not necessarily appreciate. So the story <laughs> may go crazy on you and then it isn't something that you could give to Beatrice, but at least you got your words in that day. Right. <laughs> oh, right. Um, 
but you could have a lot of fun sending somebody that you know on the trip to wherever they always talked about that they would want to go on or even writing the story as you remember them telling it about the time that they x y or z and you could be and they'll feel like oh this is my story um or send them doing something completely random that maybe mm-hmm. they never even thought about doing make sure it's the story they want told though right. yes yeah, yeah, this this idea comes with a disclaimer, you know. <laughs> yeah. You can also use um, their name just as a fictional character that has nothing related to them, but just as like a shout out to them. Like my um I have a daughter named Phoebe and that's the main character mm-hmm. in one of my books. And my goal is to um name one of my characters after each of my children eventually. The Phoebe in my book is not my daughter and is a historical fiction, so it's obvious that she didn't live that life. But it, mm-hmm. it, she can still have this book with her name in it that she knows that I wrote and I chose the mm-hmm. name, you know, out of love as well. So that's another way. Now, that's not something you could do in the next couple of weeks. But like Jamie suggested, the short story, you could totally do that and polish that up and have something that's uh, so Jen, worthy. Are you telling me that uh, naming me after your, naming your prostitute after me was a gift? Yes. That was my You're question. Also. You're <laughs> absolutely welcome. I appreciate it. <laughs> You just happened to be sitting there when I wrote that chapter the first time. I, that was a writing sprint. And I'm like, I need a name. And I looked up and there you were. Brenda. Oh. So it's your fault for hanging out with me. Oh, okay. oh so that, what it is. that character does have a very interesting arc of growth, however. So it yes. is a really cool character. So uh, I think that's worth tracking in Jen's book. Um, so what about... Rhonda, what about writing someone's genealogy for them? Can you think of a way you could present that in like a gift format? Yes, absolutely. Um, just a, okay, so there are rules for writing nonfiction um, or fiction based on nonfiction. And you need to have your facts down, but you can fill it in with interesting uh, prose or, um, you know, just make it a readable story. And someone might think they must have the most boring life. And, you know, I encountered that so much at the thing on Sunday is they would say, me, you want my history? I don't have anything to say, but everybody has a story. And as a writer, I think you could um, just take the basic facts that your person think is boring and turn it into a story and help them appreciate what they've been through. Yeah, that's a very good point. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, often, in fact, a thought that I have when I am at a funeral is, you know, this person really had worries. This person really had anxieties. This person had celebrations and grief and joy and how lovely Mm -hmm. it would be for somebody to appreciate all of those things um, in someone's life. And to appreciate that about your own life, um, Mm -hmm. I think would be a very good gift. So I I really Um, like that. There's an African proverb that says, uh, as an old man dies, a library burns. And that's oh, such a oh. fact. Yes. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and we had talked earlier about writing the love story between you and your husband and giving it as a gift, or your spouse, if you're a man listening, sorry, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. writing that love story and giving that as a gift. What if like you were to go farther back in the genealogy and write your mm-hmm. great grandparents' story. If you've like studied mm-hmm. the genealogy and you know where they went, where they settled, of course it'd be mm-hmm. fictionalized, but you could base it some on stories you've heard or things that were written. And then what a great gift for all of the grandkids and all of the, all the descendants. That would be such mm-hmm. a great, a fictionalized version of what they went through. It'd be so, so cool. Mm-hmm. 
So I think that you are totally coming at this with the right spirit, but I think we should talk a little bit about being careful to make sure that your gift of writing isn't self-promotion on the sly, right? Like now that I'm a writer, you should follow my Facebook page and you should, you know what I mean? Like, so I just think that we should caution everyone to come at this with the right spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Right. Okay. And also this should not be deleterious to your current writing goals. Don't use Christmas as an excuse to say, oh, well, I didn't meet my writing goals because I had to make so many Christmas presents for all my kith and kin. So since I'm working on this genealogy, I won't do my other word count goal. But can't they go hand in hand? Because what if you write something that you could turn around and publish somehow or add to an anthology of short stories? Or if you do write the love story about your ancestors, if it's, it it may not be able to be written just this month, but if you, within this next year, you write that to give out next December, that could be something that is completely publishable publishable as a romance novel. You don't know. So I agree. Stay on your writing goals, but don't uh, forget that this could be another avenue for you to get, you know, yourself moved towards publication. Yes. There's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with revisiting your goals and also smart goals are attainable and um, you know that you could do this. So I think it's totally awesome if that is one of your writing goals to have gifts ready for people. Okay, so moving right along, it is time for the feeding of the backs. What's that? That sounds weird. Well, we all like to get feedback on our writing. And so when we are finished critiquing somebody's work, we say, is your back well fed? And they say, what? Oh, yes, yes, I've gotten plenty of feedback. So that's what this is all about. We have each prepared a piece for your enjoyment or dismay, depending on how well it turned out, because we only had 15 minutes. Although, I guess we didn't hear the timer this time. So in the interest of honesty, we may have had more like 17 or more minutes just because the timer said stop. And we were all like, so we had uh, certainly less than a half an hour to create these pieces for you. And this week, our topic was a title, The Christmas Pageant Debacle. Now, who would like to share their Christmas pageant tobacco? Oh, wait. And because we just wrote these, we didn't edit, we are going to give only positive feedback for these pieces. Okay? So who would like to be first? I'll go first. All right, Jen. Or, All right. Yeah, Jen. Yep. What is your name? I don't Hi. know. Nice okay. to meet you. <laughs> Reverend Clarence Smithson rubbed his temples. Okay, stop right there. Words that you type. It's look fine sometimes when you're writing a story, but then you try to read them out loud and you realize that's a terrible name. So <laughs> just saying. <clears throat> Reverend Clarence Smithson rubbed his temples. It was a stalling tactic as much as it was a soothing act, but he had executed it so many times over the last few weeks that it no longer garnered the intended effect. His headache was still there as severe as before. And it did little to slow the onslaught onslaught of complaints from the parent volunteers. There is no way that I have time to make another angel costume before Christmas Eve. Freddie will just have to wear the one I made for him. It doesn't fit him, Freddie's mother argued. I made it according to the measurements I took three weeks ago. Clearly the boy has been snacking on too many Twinkies. It's three sizes too small. Clearly you measured wrong. 
Reverend, another mother interrupted. What do you want us to do about Felicity Miller? She's missed two practices. My Ellie knows the part, and she hasn't missed a minute of practice. Where are the pieces for the manger? Yet another yelled from across the room. I know I left them right here. It was too much. When he had been hired to pastor this church, no one said anything about the church Christmas pageant falling under his responsibility. Had he known, he might have turned down the assignment. If given the opportunity now, he might run as fast as he could in the opposite direction of the brick-sided <laughs> church in the center of town. He rubbed his temples again. Dear Lord, I want out. I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't what you called me into ministry for. Be still, a small voice whispered. Reverend Smithson chuckled. With all the chaos surrounding him at the moment, God was asking him to be still? That's a riot. I'm here. I know, he sighed, not sure if he really believed it anymore. He felt the tug on his sleeve. I said I'm here now, a little cherub of a girl said, looking up at him. I'm sorry I'm late. The reverend looked down and found little Felicity Miller at his side, bruises under her eye and near her neck at her collarbone. She smiled weakly at him and his heart broke. This is what I called you to ministry for, the small voice whispered. Oh, that's so good. That's really good. That is like publishable, I believe. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. Well, it will be published yeah. for those that um, are on our Patreon, right? All right. <laughs> you, can, you can go to it. That's terrific. Yeah, That's I, really good. I had no idea it was going to go in that direction. That's what I love about writing sprints and these activities we do. Oh, but much. see, I here's the thing. Like, so that character, um, he just would love to just brain transplant everybody to be him looking at that little girl. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, I'll still be in ding dongs. That's so mm -hmm. frustrating. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how many of I us have been there? How, and how many of us have been the complaining parents? not really seeing the big picture mm -hmm. and just getting all lost in like what we're supposed to be. So that was very, very poignant. Good piece. Thank Who you. wants to follow that? Not me. I'll go, <laughs> but it's not as good as that. I'm sure it all is. Right. Okay. Mrs. Barron waddled through the hallway behind the stage, her ample behind knocking props from their carefully <laughs> precarious position. <laughs> oh dear. She cried as she went trying to hurry, but only causing more records when she did. She burst into the dressing room filled with children and anxious parents adjusting wings and ears and tails. Where is he? worried Mrs. Barron, being under dressing tables and in the same closet she'd already searched at least three times. Not finding what she was looking for, she headed back down the hallway. Oh! Her voice carried through the staging areas as she tripped over a papier-mâché rock that had fallen in the path on her last trip through. She picked it up and balanced it on a stack of extra shepherd's robes, and continued down the hall and back into the prop room, which was even more cluttered and piled high with random props than the hallway was. She began to throw things into a corner she was sure she'd already searched thoroughly. A rubber chicken hit the wall with a thud, falling into the pile. Mary Magdalene costume, costume from the Easter pageant went flying. A plastic sheep with a cracked face cracked even further as it bounced off the pile and landed on the floor. <laughs> Where in the world? It was just here last night, complained Mrs. Barron. She hurried from the prop room, stopping just outside the door to consider where to look next. A feather from an orange boa was stuck in her mousy brown perm, 
and her horn-rimmed glasses slid down her nose, slick from perspiration. She pushed them back up with a pointer finger, sporting a nail at least an inch long, intricately painted with tiny strings of Christmas lights. The pastor slipped through the stage left curtain. He was dressed in his finest gray suit, a white dress shirt, and a red Santa Claus tie. The audience is getting antsy, Mrs. Barron. We need to start now. Without waiting for an answer, he pushed back through the curtain, and he, she heard him tap the mic to test it. Without further delay, I would like you all to welcome this year's pageant director, Mrs. Barron. The crowd erupted in grateful applause. Mrs. Barron made her way to the mic, doing her best to hold back her tears. She picked up the mic, cleared her throat, and said, I am very sorry. It was that at that moment that she saw her daughter Amelia in the front row, hugging tight to the baby Jesus. For the delay, <laughs> she continued without a hitch, we now present Away in a Manger. <laughs> Yay. Yay. I, I love all those details that did yes. not seem extra to me. They all just really seemed to make the story alive, but I don't like a lot of description. And mm -hmm. I loved that. I loved the sheep's face cracking farther yes. and the stack of extra shepherd's robe. It so right. put us right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think she just had the perfect amount of description because it, yeah, like you, just everything you just said. You're right. I liked it. Good job. Great Thanks. job. Okay. Yep. Well, that was very excellent. Um, I can go, Rhonda, if you don't want to okay. be. Oh, no, I can't. I can't find my document. Oh, here it is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know, right? For a moment, I was quite alarmed. Um, <laughs> and now I will share with you the Christmas pageant debacle. Jamie version. <clears throat> Are you sure? Oh, please, Mrs. Hastings. The 19-year-old director actually clasped her hands and performed a quasi-kneel as she spoke. Always and for my whole life, I've wanted to see a pageant with a real, alive baby for the Jesus. And this is my first year as a director, and it would make such an impression on my dad and the other elders. I glanced down into the carrier containing my infant son. He slept peacefully, and I had to admit, angelically. I don't know, I said, imagining the baby alone on stage for the 45 minutes or whatever the pageant would be, randomly deciding it was time for dinner now. Certainly, I was too, too old to play Mary to the 12-year-old Jimmy Orpington's Joseph, and I couldn't imagine the audience suspending disbelief enough for Mary to produce a bottle of pre-pumped mom juice from beneath her robe dress thingy. <laughs> I've already asked Mrs. Bennington, Melissa, Went continued. Love that. 15 minutes. But her baby is so much older and bigger. I'm not sure she'll fit in the manger. And she is a girl after all. And you know how uptight some of the older people in the church can be about. She lowered her voice to a whisper and glanced from side to side before continuing. Issues of gender. <laughs> My son... <laughs> My son, Michael, bounded over from where he'd been playing with the Brio blocks. You gonna let Petey be the baby Jesus? He asked. I scowled that he'd learned of this plan before I'd been asked, though I know that's how things worked in a small town church. I guess, I said, my words adorned with audible reluctance. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Hastings. Melissa smiled, and so did I. It had been a good number of years since she'd sat at my feet for Bible story time. Back then, she was a small, shy girl, and I did my best to coax her out of her shell. I always gave her the pink folder, for example, and I let her help me serve the snack of grapes and goldfish crackers. 
It still did my heart good to do something nice for her and to see that beautiful smile. The night of the performance came and I stood behind the curtain chewing my fingernails. I'd placed Peter in the manger at the last possible moment, feeding him until he was outright milk drunk and stupefied. He lay there, the picture of perfection, wrapped in cloths and practically glowing in my mother's mind's eye. Everything went all right until the real live baby sheep came in with the shepherd. It was secured only with a length of loose rope which it proceeded to begin to chew. I was the only one who noticed this, as at that moment, the wise men started to make their journey down the aisles and past the amused audience. I started trying to signal to Melissa, who stood, clipboard embraced, staring at the back of the church with the others and smiling at the spectacle she had created. The sheep made short work of the rope and headed for the manger, where it began chewing on the blanket that covered my poor, historically accurately, naked son. The second he was exposed, Peter let forth a stream that arched over the manger and landed on Mary, <laughs> who shrieked and ran from the stage. My son, who, being named Michael, was the angel, shrieked, it's a baptism. <laughs> now, I decided it probably would end there, but there were more words, but I just uh, will add those for extra because the time didn't end, so I just kept writing. Oh, so that is hilarious. awesome <laughs> you know it's funny nobody mentioned it but like my um version really isn't a debacle really except for that people are like going crazy or whatever but but it's still a great story right so like you know you can take these writing prompts and kind of do whatever you want to right but yours in in tina's total debacle i love it so great <laughs> Historically yeah. yes, accurately I... naked. That's awesome. <laughs> Can you see Melissa? But but baby Jesus wouldn't have had a diaper. <laughs> yes. It had swaddling cloths. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That was well, good. I was you. trying to go for the fact like it would have been a goat, because I know a goat will eat anything, but I'm like, well, a shepherd probably would have a sheep and not a goat. And so right. it's kind of a stretch that the sheep would eat the blanket off, but it's, you know, a pee joke, so you have to kinda right. <laughs> Yeah. But if you if you were going to rewrite this, like edit it and really polish it, you could make it a goat and you can explain it within the story. Like that they couldn't find a sheep, but you know, so and so had their own goat and we're willing to let us use it. So, you know, she made that. That's what I thought too. Yeah, so, I was I was thinking about that too. So, Jamie, let me ask: When you heard this prompt, did you know exactly how it was going to end, or did it just um, happen? No. So what happened was, uh, my first thought was the missing baby Jesus, which is funny because I kind of know if you're playing something like categories, you don't take your first answer because that's the answer everybody will have. So you kind right. of like take your second or third idea. And uh-huh. so my next idea or the one after that was a live baby Jesus that pees on someone. And that's when I said, you guys have to start the timer because I'm starting to like plan. So uh-huh. we need to do the ready, set, go. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, so I was just basically grasping like the second ideal that I had, which turned out to be a good one because I didn't mm-hmm. want to write this story that Tina wrote, although that could work too. Because two different mm-hmm. people are going to turn out with a totally different thing. Right. Right. Because, yeah, if I had a missing baby Jesus, you would know right away. It wouldn't be like, what is she looking for? Mm-hmm. So, right. you see, Tina did it in a different way. Right. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Did you, like, wonder how, if that came to me as I was writing or if it was just... No, I was just thinking about, um, 
last night how to speed up my writing because you guys always have complete stories and mine when i get the prompt it's like i've got to mull it over and i have to start writing something and hope that something comes to me but by that time the 15 minutes is up so i never have a complete story and this time i swear she set the timer for seven minutes not 15. i cannot believe how fast the time went because i thought i was just plucking along and i've got three paragraphs but you so anyway, know what? I just yeah well so here's the thing i think when i hear what you write it reads like a slow cooker meal mm -hmm. instead mm -hmm. of a frying pan meal because mm -hmm. there's um flavor in it that is brought out mm -hmm. from spending a little time being in the situation because your characters are very rich and not mm -hmm. because of necessarily a lot that you say about them but just mm -hmm. in the few good things that you said so in other words I don't think it's problematic that you don't get beginning, middle and end in 15 minutes, because mm -hmm. um, while that might be like the challenge or something, you always have well seasoned characters mm -hmm. and the beginnings of something really awesome. So anyway, I just I'm not sure you should stress so much about trying to fix that you don't get to the end. Mm hmm. Plus, I'd like to say, well, too, like the more often that we do these, the better we mm -hmm. all get, I think, and the more comfortable mm -hmm. we get with it. And the fact that the time went so fast for you and you thought for sure it would have been seven minutes, I think, shows mm -hmm. that you were so into the story. And so mm -hmm. your mind space was so there, which I think like three months ago, you would have been more like you would have just started writing because of the pressure of the time and whatever. And I think that you're developing as a writer just by that mm -hmm. fact that you're so in, already engrossed in your story within that amount of time. Uh, so much more mm -hmm. than you were before. So who knows? In six months, you might be like cranking out two stories in 15 minutes. Who knows? <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, All right. Well, my bag's fed. I don't have to read. Okay. But if you uh, do, do want to like fix the problem, what you uh -huh. might try is to bring characters that you already know mm -hmm. and just give them a situation. So like if you... For example, put your mom and your daughter in a room with mm -hmm. a puzzle to solve or whatever, and mm -hmm. then you wouldn't have to feel like you're creating all of this mm -hmm. character and everything. You just have to write a story about these people that you already know. That might right. maybe help you to feel like it's fixed because you get to beginning, middle, and end. Mm -hmm. Right. Or character. Next week, I'll try that. Yeah. Or characters from what your current work in project progress ah. because I did that a couple I don't know a few weeks back when we did one of the writing activities I just threw my characters in from the contemporary romance that I'm working on and I got the scene mm -hmm. that I had no idea like where it came from but I'm probably going to use it in some form do you remember the scene with the um they went to the back yard and there was a trampoline and he was trying to get her to remember that and afterwards you're like that, that gave me goosebumps and I'm like it's a trampoline but it wasn't the trampoline it was how they interacted with each other so I might completely right. take that part out but use that so what a great way mm -hmm. to to further deepen your writing that you're working on right now too mm -hmm. that's a so great now idea. That we've built you up and and raised the expectations <laughs> of the audience all right let's hear your story all right here's my Christmas pageant debacle Christmas season's here again, at the supermarket anyway. I'm sweating through the armpits of my t-shirt looking at strings of bright lights. Not by choice. They just happen to be at the entrance of the store. I push my cart faster because I feel the memories trying to push through the barrier I erected long ago. The old memories from my childhood, which have not faded one bit over the last 23 plus six months ago. 23 years. Peanut butter, Pepsi, and paper towel. Peanut butter, Pepsi, and paper towel. I remind myself. 
I concentrate on remembering the commercial with that big brawny guy in the flannel shirt. He was so good at hawking his paper products. I push the cart around the corner to my right. My eyes get T-boned by a huge sparkling display in the shape of a festive pine tree. A tiny scream almost escaped from my throat. I reverse my cart and try to find a safe path the other way. I try to remember the lumberjack again, but all of a sudden I realize he's carrying a pine tree over his shoulder. <laughs> I stop as it occurs to me I've been betrayed by Sven, my brawny lumberjack. An old lady, barely taller than the cart handle, is shaking her umbrella in a very threatening way as she toddles by. Taking a deep breath, I push my cart forward again. The paper towels are crossed off my list. I will use my cloth towels this week. I have to do laundry anyway. <laughs> That's as far as I got. That's great. It's so awesome. How is that? Now we know why you were rolling your eyes at Jennifer's <laughs> Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> or do we? That dark spread. I've been <laughs> Yes. That's amazing. That was really good. I love the old lady barely bigger than the shopping cart handle. Yes. That's all you had to say. And I had a picture of her shaking her umbrella menacingly. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's really good. Yeah, I love that. I totally pictured the where's the beef lady from the Wendy's. (laughs) Oh, that's similar to what I was picturing. (laughs) Awesome. That's terrific. I love that. That was great. Thanks. And yeah, I like, really. you know, the hint of some memory from when you were a child totally souring you yes. at Christmas. Um, yes. I can't wait to find out what that was. Yes. <laughs> that is very much a uh, sort of a hook for the reader. That was very good. Yeah. All right. So does everybody's bed feel, back feel nice oh, yes. and fed? Definitely. Yes. 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 Awesome. So that means it's time for the accountability corner where we check in with each other and how we're doing with our writing goals. Now, the last time we uh, aired an episode that was not a live stream, we were talking about some goals that we had set as writers. So you all have to have a little bit of grace with us because this is really only one week later for us, even though this episode is airing so much farther along than that. So anyway, it's been one week since we set our big writing goals and we're going to check in with one another now and see how we're doing. Why don't we start with you, uh, Tina, Katane, how's it going? (laughs) Um, I did pretty good. I'm I we had talked about um making a a schedule and I made this little schedule. I don't know if you can see that. Um and I got almost all of it done. Yay. I so wasn't what perfect. Are we saying eighty percent? Eighty percent, yeah. I got eighty percent of it done. So and then so, I so I started another one for this week. I got a, another page, and so I'm working on that. How many words did you end up getting? You know, I didn't count them. But if you did like a thousand a day or something like that, roughly. Yeah, I think I was more like eight hundred a day, eight to nine hundred a day. Um, but I got the scenes written that I had written on my schedule. Awesome. So those scenes are all written. I might need to pad them a little more. When I go back for editing and stuff, or I might have to take a lot of words out. I don't know. But, um, those scenes are all written for my book. Um, and then some of my other writing that doesn't have to do with my book. Um, I kind of got this momentum going on my book. And so then I kind of put that stuff aside a little bit and didn't get that done. But How do you think that the goal setting session, do you think it's working for you? Do you think it's helped your productivity? Or Yeah, I do. Yeah. Awesome. And I, I, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but my background is different this week because I actually rearranged 
a room and made myself a little miniature office inside another room so that I can have um, a designated writing space that's not out in the living room with the family and all the distractions. You know, must for some reason my husband likes to talk to me, and so <laughs> <laughs> that kind of keeps me from concentrating sometimes. But yeah, have you I, noticed a difference because of that? Well, I just did it yesterday, so I'll oh, have to let okay. you know that next week. Well, I yes, like talking to you, to... so it makes sense to me why he does that. So because you're so yeah, you're fun to talk to for sure. Agreed. Mm-hmm. How about you, Jen? Uh, how are your goals coming along? Really really good like I feel like that that's what I needed was that uh accountability session to like really get me into overdrive because that's where I need to be right now not just producing I need to be like really like on a a deadline right now so um spent a lot of time doing a rough draft of my book cover and then started working on the final and I am to the point where it is now I'm supposed to be done by this Friday and it is um to the point where I just need to put the um the cover the title and the the final like just little elements on it and it will be ready the front cover will be that's so exciting so that means exciting. it's on sale now yes because of the whole back to the future thing we have going on here right if they went to your website um what is it exactly your website jennifercarltong.com that's jennifer with one, one n, n and carl mm-hmm. with two l's jennifer com, and you and, could buy this book that we're talking about even though you're in the future yes and we are not so, <laughs> so what else? Um, cause you had a lot of gold. Um, yeah. So you know. I got a hold of my editor and, uh, he is still on board to do this book and we'll be sending, I told him I would have it to him by the beginning of the month. Uh, meaning wow. The, and, um, so he's ready for it. And, um, also been working on book three, which, um, I've been doing all of my writing has really been rewriting this last week, but it's been, even though I'm not adding numbers to my book or moving any farther in the book, I am, it's a better book. And so I'm very happy with what the amount of writing I've been getting done this week. So it's been a really, really productive week for me. I'm really happy about that. Um, and I also came to a realization from, from listening to another podcast, uh, the writing gals, if you guys haven't checked them out, they write, um, like clean romance and sweet reads. And, um, so check their podcast out too, if you're a romance writer, but, um, they were talking recently about, um, publishing faster, meaning like within 30 days. And so I think with these first two books, I'm gonna give that a try. Cause I can. So instead of trying to come out, um, early October, I'm going to come out, I think, uh, um, maybe a week or two into October so that I, I fit it within that 30 day window for when book two comes out just to see what happens. So that actually gives me a little bit more breathing room too, but still I'm on track with my goals and I'm very excited about that. Yeah. I think that's a really smart adjustment to your plan. And I think that, you know, as we talked about before that when, uh, when it makes sense, you need to, uh, bump those dates and make it, a Smart decisions. Great right. job. Um, what's going on uh, with you, Rhonda? How's your goals uh, achievement going? Well, I'd like to echo what Jennifer said about needing an accountability session because um, I, that's just really what I needed to get myself in gear. Um, I like having the goals and make things so big in my head that it gets overwhelming sometimes. Like, well, I want to write this book that's 6,000 words. And anyway, 200 words a day, totally, totally doable. And so there are some days where I force myself to do the 200 words. Then there are some days where I wrote a thousand and I did never go out of 
that was one day and I didn't go over that. But um, anyway, the goals were very helpful to me. And one thing I realized that I need to do is start thinking about my book covers. Um, you know, when I look at a book, I'm still a paper book reader. And when I pick up a book to read it, I look at the cover and the cover can really kill a book for me or it can make me slog through a book that I probably wouldn't have read otherwise. And so I need to start working on those this week. Well, that's exciting. Mm -hmm. We had talked before. I think I'll do all four at once. Yeah, we had talked before about having an episode on covers. And so maybe uh, it's time for us to maybe think about visiting that topic. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Yeah. And so goals. Um, I have been doing excellent on my goals. Um, I submitted a piece for, um, okay, so first of all, I need to talk to you guys about working title for my used to be book two. But anyway, we'll talk about that in the postcast possibly. But um, I submitted a piece for that and got some feedback and um, was like, all right, but it kind of pushed me into working even more on that book. So I have a lot more of that edited to the place where I think another read aloud through and I'm pretty happy with it. But on my new going to be book two, I have, okay, I pulled it up and it was 27 pages of a document. And the next thing you know, I was through eight of those 27 pages as far as a read through to make sure that I like everything that's going on. And I even um, put a couple of conversations in between a couple of characters that will help flesh it out a little bit more. And so anyway, I've just been really working hard on meeting that October 13th goal. And I think I am on track to meet it. I would love to be early, but I'm not going to change my deadline because I'm trying to be smart about my goal setting. And I know October 13th is attainable if I am working at a pace that is less fervent than I am working right now. (laughs) So I'm not going to change my goal date, but I am hoping to finish early with my at least first edit and having that book ready for a cover. So exciting. That's exciting. All right. So anybody else need to throw anything in there about being held accountable or getting some feedback or are we wrapping up for today? I'm excited for the postcast. So I say let's wrap oh, it up. Oh, yeah. You've got to come and join us for our postcast. Postcasts are only available to our Patreon subscribers. So if you're not one of our valued patrons, you should lickety split over to our Patreon page and sign up today so that you can see what it's like when we dig into work that we have submitted for actual critique, not just these 15 minute bits we do um, to encourage each other. So tune into that. Um, And I just want to thank you all for joining us on the Christian Indie Writers Podcast. Until next time. May your pen be prolific. May your deadlines be met. And may all of your words honor Christ. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.